Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbut and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of manifestfit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Real Hawk Talk. Uh, this is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and uh, we have a ton to cover tonight. There's actually the Seahawks have uh, been generous in giving us a lot to uh, to think about and talk about, um, which we will. And uh, before I do that, as always, going to bring in uh, our awesome crew uh, this week, and we are going to start with. Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm good. I, today was an interesting football day, not just Seahawks wise, but kind of all the way around. And, and uh, it's exciting knowing that starting in just a couple of days, we'll see some preseason games. So I got, I got football excited today. You know what I do? Yeah. What I mean, like to get that, like, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, it's not just talk and we actually get to see players on the field. I don't count the hall of fame game. It's just so boring. But, um, I think that, I don't know this week, I finally kind of got a little jazz. So hold up, hold up. What time do we play this weekend or do we play this weekend? 6 PM Saturday Pacific time, 6 PM Saturday Pacific time. Eight for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in Vegas. Is that, is that going to work for your schedule, Evan? <laughs> you know who I'm watching the game with this weekend? Who? It is a famous Twitter person in Seahawks circles. I'm spending the weekend with Sam Hawk Badger this weekend. Oh, I saw you. Oh. I'm dead serious. I'm flying up to his place. I don't know if he's, if he feels comfortable telling me or saying publicly where he's from, but um, I may or may not have bought like Tom Brady Patriots magnets to like slowly hide around his house and, you know, let him find them sporadically. But yeah, I'm excited about it. 
I think the idea of the two of you all weekend just uh, talking about Russell Wilson, um, I can only imagine uh, the things that are coming to my head are not probably safe for, for uh, a podcast, but um, yeah, I, I can imagine you guys really enjoying that topic all weekend. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that they were going to play Saturday. I, I don't know why. I completely spaced this week on it. <laughs> Our very own Josh Cam- Cashman says that you guys can't hate Pete together. Uh, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I, I think that that seems like that would be one I think of the... Maybe can hate Pete together, probably, <laughs> right? Yeah, that makes more sense. That makes more <laughs> sense. Um, uh, that was uh, at Evan. Uh, HB? What the hell are you now? I, I never remember. You keep freaking changing. Evan, Evan on HB? Evan in HB? You can find me at, at George Kittle, second best tight end in the NFC West on Twitter. Um, that's where I tweet oh, he, the most from. He's up a notch or two. He's usually like the fourth best by your ranking. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait for this season. I'm already – you know what? I, I Thank you for the introduction. But, like, I'm starting to already get irritated with the 49ers. Just, just – like a week or two in I'm already getting annoyed. So yeah, it's Evan Hill HB. If you want to follow me. So Evan Hill HB, that's a lot at Evan Hill HB. Um, and the guy who's like, you know, basically in and out, he cannot decide whether he wants to be part of this podcast or not. No. Uh, the <laughs> famous so internet of uh, Canada is, is, is here uh, at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, what's going on? Are you going to stick around or are you, you not sure yet? So zoom just did two updates on me and kicked me out twice. This wasn't internet related. He <laughs> kept saying okay. update and I'd click okay and it would kick me out. I had to just keep restarting. <laughs> so this isn't my fault. I, I'm so glad that you are fully updated and, and ready to zoom with us and, and, and drink with us. Um, Ryan, I have a quick question for you. Yeah, yeah, please. Did you trim your beard? No. You did not trim your beard. Mm -mm. Every episode starts like this now, Dana. (laughs) I know. There's some allegations in the chat being made that you trimmed your beard, and it does look a little bit shorter. It looks a little clearer. Oh, well, like when it was like, it was Mountain Man. Yes, it's been trimmed from when it was like super big. Okay. Yes. 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 That was like weeks ago, though. We've done many shows since since that's happened. Okay, um, I had to ask you about it, dude. It was like hundred and ten. I, I I couldn't have neck beard going on. It was it was not comfortable. Winter um, time. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, you know that is not the most interesting. That is not the most interesting topic. Um, <laughs> there, there's really like the thing that everybody on Seahawks Twitter wants to talk about, and it's the place we have to start is. Um, Phil Haynes is getting snaps at center. Uh, you know, it has been long time coming and I'm telling each and every one of you that he is going to be the best center on this roster. And that may not say much, but God dang, like Ethan Posick, get out of here. Phil Haynes, please step forward. Uh, that, that's what you thought we were going to talk about, right? Well, you set sure. that but one up so listen, well. I, I pulled up the rosters. I pulled up NFL.com's rosters for each one of the div- teams in the division because I knew we were going to talk about that a little bit. And they only have one center listed for Seattle. Now, I know these are wrong, right? But is it a little creepy? They only have – and his name is Brad Lundblade. 
<laughs> that is not. Yeah. Use, use our lads. Use our lads for no. No, they screwed awful. me before. No, oh. Jeff, that is terrible advice. Yeah. I have. I, no, do not use our lads. It me up. It cracked me up. I mean, I looked through the rosters. Okay. It's basically right, but oh my god, that cracked me up. So. I was only partially joking. For me, that's the biggest news. I am super excited that <laughs> Phil Haynes is getting snaps there. I've been beating that drum for a while. I get a lot of crap for it. And when he takes over starting job and he's good, I expect a lot of freaking validation from all y'all. Okay. So I'm just putting that out here on the interweb. So, um, See, Jose Rodriguez is saying nobody cares. You know, Jose, if you care about the Seahawks, you should care about the center position. You should position care about the center. Sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks. It's pretty the center bad. position sucks. Um, okay. So we actually do have a bunch to talk about. And, and, and we were going to spend most of the show actually talking about the different position groups across the NFC West and ranking them, which we're still going to do. But, man, we got some ground to cover before we do that. Um, and I, I think – we, we really do have to kick it off by talking about the Jamal Adams contract situation, which uh, there's been a number of updates in the past uh, few days, uh, even a few hours. And we are fortunate to have Evan Hill for this um, at Evan Hill HB. No, I yeah, you it right? got it. No, you Just got change it. your names on the screen. You guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. you know how I am with technology. Should, should I start us off with this report that we received from the Seattle Times? Please. Like, Yeah, because I, I missed it. No, 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 no. Start off with what you predicted in July for what his contract what would be. And oh, sure. then I'm going to set you up for that. I want it because I was reading that tweet and uh, I know you were flexing a little bit, but I, I think it was a deserved flex. It so, was a deserved flex a little bit. It was pretty bit. good. Let's, so, let's, so what was your, let's be what honest was your prediction here. in July? July 27, I did say four-year extension, $70 million. 17.5 a year, 42 million in total guarantees, 38 million fully guaranteed. There is a difference. And then I did say it would be signed by August 6th. So obviously that's completely incorrect. I was a little too optimistic on the timing, well, but was that Jeff? Both sides thought they were coming to a deal that day. I was hopeful about it. I really was last week. They, um, both sides thought they were coming to a deal. Okay. So that, that's sort of the context. I, I think, um, that's the vibe a lot of us were feeling, you know, contractually with Jamal. Uh, Adam Jude and Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times both just released a report literally an hour ago. Um, it says, blah, 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 remain locked in on a 70 million staring contest Wednesday, each holding firm on their final offer put forth late last week. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Um, after a bunch of back and forth negotiations on Friday, so this last Friday, Seahawks made what they labeled their final offer, $17.5 million per year over oh, four wow. years, so $70 million with roughly $38 million guaranteed. Wow. So I, I said it would be $38 million fully guaranteed. I don't know if that $38 million reported number in the Seattle Times is total guarantees or full guarantees. My hunch is it's probably total, so I could be slightly off there. Um, but it sounds like Jamal Adams, uh, his camp, um, I forget his agent's names. So it's like Kevin Connor and somebody from universal sports management or whatever it's called. Um, they countered with just $2 million more in total guarantees, 
or just guarantees in general and wanted to move some bonus money. It sounds like up to year three from year four, potentially, if I'm reading this correctly. Um, but long story short, like my analysis on this guys is like, this is excellent news. Like if this is the ballpark that they get Jamal Adams in, considering the circumstance of, you know, everything we've talked about on the show, the leverage they gave up with two first round picks and a third round pick and, you know, not, not pre-negotiating an extension as part of the trade. This is a home run. If this is, if this is the ballpark, this could be so much worse, so much worse. If he really wanted to make it be. Wait, 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 Um, hold on, slow down. So, so what part of it are you referring to? Is it the guaranteed money? Is it the APY? I'm talking about all of it. it like the full, the full compensation package, like 17.5 mil per year. That's only 2.25 mil more than the highest paid safety in the NFL, which I think is Buda Baker or did mm-hmm. or Justin Simmons. You're right. Oh yeah. Evan, Evan, pull up the tweet you sent and look at my response to you that day. The one you what? sent out the, of the contract. Okay. Can I break in while he looks this up? So you guys, to our listeners, I'm going to talk directly to you guys and our watchers. This is a very different tone from a day or two ago out of Evan, who was having a mini meltdown in our DMs because 100%. he was losing his shit. This was the worst idea ever. I can't believe they did this, as you guys will all be so shocked happened. But um, so that the fact that you're so excited about these numbers make me happy. Uh, to me, this seems like now we're just doing little teen, teeny pieces of chess. This will get done. It will happen. We exactly. Just need to get it happen. Yeah. Exactly, Dana. Mm-hmm. And that was like the second you you beat me to my second point, and it's oh, like, I'm sorry. No, sorry. no, you're good. It's it, it means it's we're on the same. Coming from you, Dana. Trust, yeah. like, trust everyone's me. Everyone's happier hearing it from you. It's, it's just it's just knowing that like in terms of the overall really heavy hitting terms, they're mostly in alignment. Like mm-hmm. the these are small details like maybe moving a couple million dollars in bonus money up a year. Like, I don't want to, I'm not a reporter, but to me, this feels like a deal is. Eminent, very eminent. Mm -hmm. Like, like I would not be surprised if he was signed a week from now. Uh, I I would. If they don't even announce it on Friday before the game. So how do you get to that conclusion when the word is that both sides are dug in? I, I don't think Jamal Adams is going to, you know, in the report, he says he's itching to play his side of the camp. Mm-hmm. Knowing Jamal Adams, he, you know, he's chomping at the bit to practice. Like he's, he's an Earl Thomas type of mm-hmm. freakazoid. I don't Safety. think, yeah, I, I don't think, um, I don't think a million dollars in potential guarantees, you know, in injury guarantees in year three or year four is, is really going to delay him you know, mm-hmm. a couple of more weeks. I, I think they're going to meet somewhere in the middle, frankly. And Seattle might not budge. You know, maybe he comes down, but it's just Russell so Russell Wilson writes him a check. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is so close. Like, this is this is stupid. Like, it'll be done. just figure it out. Like, it's close enough. Yeah, you should be able to get these two in a room and be able to hash this out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, guys, I'm excited about it. Like, these numbers give us really hard – well, let me give a little more context to what you said, Dana. Like, the reason I was freaking out a couple of days ago is because, like, <laughs> I didn't know how – I didn't know if Jamal Adams wanted to, you know, bend this here, team here. over the workbench. Yeah. Like, like right. they could – Jamal really – I truly believe this, like, has the leverage to really, really ruin this team in these financial negotiations if he wants to. He could be a – 
I, I know where you're coming from. And, I, I, you know, you're saying, hey, they gave up so much draft capital, they have to sign him. And so mm-hmm. whatever number he requires, they have to go to. That's just not the way John Schneider works. So John Schneider has a number that he will go to. And if it means yeah. that he has to let him go, like he let Sheldon Richardson go, like he let like other guys that like mm-hmm. Javion Clowney go, like they've done this before, not to the extent that they've done with Joel mm-hmm. Adams in terms of draft capital, but they've given up a lot and let guys walk. But this <laughs> is an unprecedented mm-hmm. amount of capital that they traded up. Right? I, I understand. And, and I, he's and an all pro player who's him, so young. Yeah. But they're not, they're not going to give him 23 million a year or oh, something. Like no, that. They're not no. Do that. no so, but, 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 but what I'm saying, Brian, though, is even the difference between 17.5 and 2021 is this is massive. Like this yeah. is, this is a big deal. Um, this is uh, considering the circumstances, in my opinion, from the team side, this is a very favorable general structure. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was alluding to this earlier and I said, the day I haven't tweeted that out, I either text him or tweeted him. And I said, people I was talking to around the league thought he'd end up at 17, five. And a lot of people didn't believe that because of what Evan was alluding to earlier. He had leverage that if he really wanted to, he, like Jalen Ramsey used the same kind of leverage. Laramie Tunsil used the same kind of leverage where they shot up past. But the one thing I kept hearing is a comparison to Travis Kelsey to certain receivers that it always comes down to positional value. And Travis Kelsey, I think, make, I think he signed last year, makes less money, I believe, mm-hmm. than Amari Cooper, who if you put those two guys in a room, it's pretty clear who's a better player. They both signed last year. So positional value was always going to be part of this. And that's mm-hmm. where it's interesting to see that that's the number they're at is the exact number we talked about. 17.5. So I just want to throw one last point on this over the cap did a Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap wrote a really good piece on this, where he analyzed all of um, the recent trades in the league, where basically a team, traded a ton for a player and didn't include a pre-negotiated extension and evaluated by what percentage um, that trading team beat the positional market by. Okay. And it was like everything ranging from uh, 15% to 35%. CJ Mosley was one of them. Um, So giving that range, the low, so the low end would be like 16.5 mil for setting the market for Jamal Adams. And the high end would be $21 million a year. So if Jamal Adams comes in at 17.5, that leans Seattle's favor in terms of, do you get what I'm saying? Like the position, Mm -hmm. like the market benchmarks for beating the positional top of the market without having a pre-negotiated extension. This would be a win for the Seahawks without a doubt. And they said, I read a bunch of stuff where they were saying that, you know, Jamal wanted to be paid like the best defensive player on the team because he wasn't just a safety. But I think that that's still this contract, you know, even if they end up giving him his extra million or whatever, fits that he's still the highest paid safety. So they're paying him for the extra work he does when he rushes the pass there. But in that same article, they mentioned something about them not wanting to pay him more than Bobby Wagner. And I actually, I know that some some of you guys thought that was kind of stupid. I kind of liked that um, a little respect given, but I also like that. It sounds like Jamal Adams is okay with that. Do you know what I mean? Like he has that respect level too. So I, I kind of dig that. I think Jamal Adams wants to be in Seattle. I think he found a team that he likes and that he clicks with and that they use him the way he wants to be used. And so he's going to work just as hard as Seattle is to stay there. I think that's a really good point, Dana. And 
if this does end up getting wrapped up here, um, even if it's just before the regular season, I don't really care as long as it's before the regular season, any signs in this range, and he didn't hold out, I, I personally will really appreciate the way he went about it. There's a lot of ways he could have handled this. And I mean, he certainly has some prima donna tendencies. I mean, the guy lights up a cigar and, and I mean, I love the guy, but um, this could have been super ugly. And if this ends up getting resolved the way it's hopefully going to get resolved, I think he deserves some credit. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that could have, you know, might've done this differently. And, um, and uh, it would be great. I mean, to, to get a young star player like that um, in the fold and, Quite honestly, the guy I think that's going to be the best player on the Seahawks defense for the next, you know, three to five years. Uh, so I, I think it's a, a pretty, pretty big deal. And you know what? This might not be his last extension with the Seahawks. He will be 28. Yeah. By the time, you know, a four-year extension is complete. Baby. So he's, he's a young dude. Like he'll, he'll be getting his second free agent contract, you know, before Dwayne Eskridge gets his first. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, that that's, that's uh, sufficient on Jamal for now. I mean, it's obviously a big topic and, and something we're going to see get resolved here soon. We hope there's like other couple of things that are related. Some, some things that might um, uh, come down after the Jamal stuff gets uh, resolved. And obviously there's the Dwayne Brown situation but there's also the reports that have been coming out that Russell Wilson is willing to um, restructure his contract in order to make some of this stuff happen. And we've talked about Russell restructuring contract all the way through free agency and, and creating cap space as needed. One of the things I found interesting, and Evan, I don't know how much you know about this, but, um, and someone's asking if I'm wearing a Bronco shirt. No, I'm not. Um, so, uh, I think I know exactly where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. The, the the I think this is a report from Bob um, at Seattle in, at the Seattle Times, and he talked about that there's a benefit to Russell to actually having the deal restructured because it would cause his cap number and salary number for the next two years to jump, um, and so all of a sudden his base salary is in the 40s, and then his negotiating starting point for his extension or for his, his next contract would be 50 million a year. Uh, and, and it might be that anyway. So maybe it's mm-hmm. immaterial, but I'm kind of yes. curious uh, and, and sorry to keep start with Evan, but this is his wheelhouse. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, is that real? Is that something from your perspective, Evan, that that is at play that Mark Rogers might be trying to, to pre-negotiate uh, I mean- by getting, Absolutely. The threat, you know, the franchise tag is always kind of like a a barometer for, um, you know, cash flow consideration comparison perspectives, like how much would I make as a player, you know, on the tag for two, three straight years versus if I sign an extension with whatever team I'm with, he's 100% correct. So if they did, you know, restructure, restructure Russell Wilson's base salary this year, dropping his cap hit this year, and, um, tacking it on as signing bonus on the remaining years of his deal, which is, I believe just two 22 and 2023. Um, the threat of a franchise tag on Russell Wilson looks very not possible because all the franchise tag, the way it's calculated is 
of the previous years, uh, the player's previous year's cap hit or the average of the top five salaries of that player's position. But for Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson's case, it would be 120% of his previous year's cap hit. We're talking about like $49.6 million for a a one-year franchise tag, all up front, all in base salary, Mm -hmm. all like all in one year. So there's no flexibility to like prorate that type. So basically if the Seahawks were to do that, then the, the extension talks for Russell Wilson in 2023 start at $50 million a year. That's where they start. That's not where they But end. isn't that where they're going to start anyway, especially after the so, Josh yes. Allen extension? So that's kind of, yes, basically. Yes. So it's kind <laughs> yeah. of like, does it matter a whole ton? Probably not, but it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. 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 Mark Rogers never sleeps, never sleeps. Uh... Now, the one <laughs> thing I will say, I don't want to go back to the whole trade Russell Wilson stuff. But if they do restructure his contract, it makes it very difficult to move on from him, even more difficult to move on from him next year or the following year. Don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's important to say. So. Well, it's interesting. I mean, if, if that's the case, then, I mean, there's a lot of folks that thought that this might be Russell's last year in Seattle based off what happened in this offseason. And if his camp is taking steps that could lead to make it very difficult, if not impossible for the Seahawks to move him, that runs counter to that narrative. So mm-hmm. you can't have both. You can't have that he's trying to push to get the maximum, you know, next extension with Seattle and make it hard for him to be dealt the next couple of years and think that he's wanting to get traded next year. So, you know, there's still potentially like, hey, they're they're thinking about maybe this is his last deal with Seattle. That could still be true. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be... <sighs> I hope that they don't have to restructure Russell. Um, and I think that the Seahawks are trying not to, but obviously the Dwayne Brown situation um, is the next part of this. Right. So uh, do we know that, you know, like let's assume that the Jamal Adams deal gets done in, a, in the range that we're hearing about right now. Um, if they want to re-sign Dwayne Brown, what would be the cap implications of doing that? Yeah. So um, it, it kind of depends what ballpark of, of, of cash we're talking for Dwayne Brown, because he doesn't have a lot of real contract comparisons for, you know, a player of his age. The only real one is really Andrew Whitworth who signed, you know, a, a three year, um, I think $11.25 million per year contract. Um, that only had 15 million guaranteed, uh, Jason Peters signed a contract with 15.5 million in guarantees. I, I think somewhere, I think over the cap nailed this as well. Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap. I think, I think the market for Dwayne Brown is probably around 14 to $15 million a year. He's 11.3 right now on his previous extension. You know, he, his like advanced analytics numbers, everything, basically all the grades on him say that he's only, improving and he had a phenomenal year last year is probably mm-hmm. one of our best offensive players frankly um i think knowing that giving him a short two to three year you know deal in the 15 million dollar per year range is is very reasonable guarantee one year maybe half guarantee the second year something like 20 25 million dollars in guarantees and you know by that time then he'll be 38 39 and then you can retire exactly you can move on from him then if you want to but i think i think he has earned himself a little bit of a raise and i will say extending him um should reduce his cap number so that should not 
That should it's not, not a ca- it's not a cap situation. And there, there have been reports that they don't want to extend him. And that's that's concerning to me, guys. Right. Like I was going to ask you, Jeff, uh, since I've, I've asked enough of, of Evan and Dana for a little bit, like. What would be the like, I know we don't agree with that. What would be the logic if you were John Schneider and the Seahawks front office to say, nope, we are not extending you, Dwayne Brown. What, what, what could possibly be the reason that they would take that stance? So Brady Henderson did a report on ESPN. I think it was yesterday. And he sort of explained that side of it. And apparently he was hard, he had trouble getting through last season. His body was slowing down. They said he barely practiced in the second half of the season. There might be concern that his body's just not going to hold up over time. And Brady, the one thing about Brady, he's not a very like self-promotional guy. But if you read his stuff, he has like very interesting tidbits where you can see he has a line to the front office because he always has these little one-liners in there that he keeps pretty low, but you can tell it's coming right from the team. So that sort of jumped out at me when he said it. They might be worried just physically if he can hold up because to me, he looks like he's in great shape. And he looks like he takes great care of himself. And as Evan said, he was fantastic last year. And I think this offense will almost help him. There'll almost be less pressure on him to have to move Mm -hmm. a little bit more, but... Mm -hmm. So unless it's something physical, because or unless they think like stone foresight is an heir apparent, uh, I don't see how you can f- have that opinion after one mock game. But I- I'm with you on that. To me, this is a no-brainer. Like, what does this team look like without Dwayne Brown? Oh, it's uh, 2016. Like, like, I know we're all talk- talking about Jamal Adams and stuff, but like, the drop down from Dwayne Brown to replacement from Jamal Adams to replacement. This team is fucked without Dwayne Brown. Like, oh, it's like if they don't start Phil Haynes, I mean, it's that level of, of drop off. Um, so no, I mean, seriously, like it, I I'm a big, I, I like Marco Jones, but I like him at right tackle, which they don't seem to have any interest in giving him a shot at. They only play him at left tackle. He's, he is not anywhere close to Dwayne Brown. And, and then you've got Stone Forsyth, who's a rookie, and who knows what you have there. Um, you know, they've been playing Cedric Aguayhi. Uh, and by the way, uh, that guy has a bicep injury. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of got slipped in um, in one of Pete Carroll's press conferences, and they're going to have to check on it. Biceps injuries generally are tears <laughs> and when you tear your bicep you're a lot of times you're out the year so that is something to watch because if if he is out that's a guy that was competing for the right tackle position and is one of the backup left tackles and definitely part of your tackle depth so yeah they're, they're in they were playing like tommy champion was injured like the like fourth tackle at left tackle like so they're down to playing you know, guys that nobody's heard of um, at that position, even Stone Forsyth, you know, people have heard of, but they're playing other guys there as well. So Dwayne Brown has to be there. He has to be healthy and give him his money. I mean, look, the Seahawks are not built to compete for the next 10 years. They're built to compete year to year at this point. And they have got to have him at least for the next couple of years and probably for the next two to three years, if they can make it work. So I, I just, uh, 
I don't understand. I, I they could they could say that it's because he didn't hold up physically. I don't get it. Yeah. Then you should have had a better option <laughs> because he's your guy. So yeah, that that's I think where we go on the the Dwayne Brown front. I think um, I think it'll happen. I think it's going to happen think he will get really extended. quickly. Uh, oh, for I sure. And for one reason, because Russell Wilson said it needed to happen. And when Russell and all of his drama was coming up, they were, you know, supposedly taking his opinion now into effect. He said, make this happen. And so for them to not would then be publicly going against exactly what their quarterback says and would start all that shit again. Yeah, all like of it would start Max again. You guys saw that clip get around like. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine Russell Wilson being angry, like stomping over to Pete Carroll or John Schneider's office, oh, yeah. and being like, "Like, get this guy under contract. What the hell are you doing?" I, I for some reason, can see that <laughs> I actually can't visualize it for some reason. What? Yeah, all you gotta do is picture the Russell Wilson that was like, "I hate losing." That guy that was screaming—that's him. That's who gets mad. But I'm telling you, this this is gonna happen. Whether it's the three years, maybe that he wants, I don't know about that. They'll probably give him a couple years, give him some good money, make it you know really well guaranteed because he's at the end of his career, and then they'll move on from it because they do yeah. not want the rest of that crap to kick back up. No, again. that would be just such a bad look after yeah. Russell. We need pass protection, and they let their all pro pass protector go. Yeah. That would be such a bad look. Well, so I mean, here's the thing: that offensive line. It's a little like I, I I know that Pete was excited to have competition at the offensive line this camp, but now Ethan Posick has been out with a hamstring injury and re-aggravated that hamstring injury. So he was your per- expected starter. None of us were excited about that. I, I actually I can't say for sure Dana was wasn't Dana's excited about a lot of things. Okay, she wasn't excited either. That's how bad Ethan Posick. Is and then there's folks that are like, hey, Ethan Posick was good before he got injured last year. I think Ethan Ethan Posick was like a a little bit above average before he got injured, yeah. and then was you know well below average after. I think that's who he is. I think he's a league average center, and that's not the worst yeah, thing. That's a ceiling. I, I just don't that's, see yeah. much upside for that guy. Mm-hmm. And then you got um, uh, what's it, Kyle Tur- Terrell? Kyle Fuller. Fuller. Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller. You're talking about just the center options. And, and I mean, that guy played some time, and at least he's a little bit more physical than Posick. But, mm-hmm. you know, so basically you've got him. And that, jokes aside, I mean, I actually do believe in Phil Haynes. But they, the reason he's getting snaps is because they don't have other options now, and they're having to, like, dig a little deeper. So that's the center of your line. Your left tackle's not there, and you've got a ton of injuries. We haven't heard anything about Gabe Jackson or Damian Lewis. I think they're doing okay. I think the guards are going to be damn good. I think Lewis is going to take a big jump this year. I think Gab J. I heard good things about Jackson. Yeah, too. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. a real strength for this team. And we mm-hmm. haven't heard much about Brandon Shell. So I, I think he's been taking his snaps and doing what he mm-hmm. needs to do. But guys, if I mean, if two two fifths of your offensive line end up missing time, that is a big deal. That's a big deal. So um, I think that's definitely something to watch and hopefully things trend in the right way. Don't play Posick another snap till like, you know, the fourth game of the preseason at most, like just mm-hmm. sit him and let the hamstring heal for God's mm-hmm. sakes. That Creed Humphrey stuff is just, it's going to linger uh, all year. Dev. It's going to linger about it. 
Okay. Right. Oh, but won't that, that'll get you guys exactly what you want. You want him out. You have well, these other options. There. Just Boom. Kills, done. kills me. He's going to start for the Chiefs and he's going to be good. Well, Ray Roberts was all over me on draft day for being angry about them. And he's like, you know, who'd you want in the draft? Who'd you want in the draft? And I was like, look, I'm not going to have an offensive line date yeah. with uh, NFL first round pick offensive lineman. He's got me. Fine. <laughs> but let's see. I hope I'm wrong. I, I always will say that. I hope I'm wrong that Dwayne Eskridge is amazing and Creed Humphrey and the other centers that were available end up being terrible. And Ethan Postick ends up being great. I hope all of that happens. I'm not betting on it. I'm not betting on it. I think we were going to regret that, that draft pick for a decade. I think that's how bad we're going to regret that. that, that yeah. You know, uh, Joey Hunt is a free agent. <laughs> that hair. I mean, Dana's hair is good. Joey Hunt's hair. I'm sorry, Dana. It, it would, it's it would, fair. It's fair. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Um, all right. So, so I think that's like, you know, contract stuff, which honestly, I, I don't even love talking about contract stuff, but people want to hear about it. So we got to cover it. Let's talk about some of the players. Um, you know, one, one that, that I was interested in, at least it caught my attention. And I want to hear from all of you, if there's others that caught your attention. So after the, the mock game, one of our draft picks, one of our very, very few draft picks, Trey Brown, cornerback. Um, got some love, made a play on a seam route. And Pete Carroll, hearing Pete Carroll talk about Trey Brown, if I was Trey Brown, I would have just, like, my heart would have sunk. He was like, yeah, like, the kid, uh, you know, he's he's been making some plays, and, and when I look at the tape, he doesn't have any of those plays where he makes a mistake. So it was like, it was like the most backhanded kind of, I haven't been watching this kid at all, and now I'm having to kind of talk about him comment. But Trey Brown was one of the guys at the first training camp that I attended. I was like, I like the way he's, he's a little Oompa Loompa. Like he's a little short, but he's, he's like built like a bowling ball a little bit. He looks tough. Um, he's very uh, aggressive in how he plays the cornerback position and um, interesting guy. So I, I was happy to hear that he's maybe getting a little bit more attention. Um, it's probably also good news that, the other corners are playing well enough that Pete Carroll hasn't had to look mm -hmm. at Trey Brown um, and see what's going on there. So uh, I don't know, uh, Dana, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on that or if there are other players that, um, you know, coming out of the camp that the news that's caught your attention in the last week or so. Um, I'm trying to find him on the list. I'm sorry, but it's the, he's a rookie from South Dakota a wide receiver, Cade Johnson. So oh. I had heard a little bit about him um, after he showed up on the roster and a couple of people kept telling me, keep an eye on him, keep an eye on him. So I was looking in the reports to see if I could see anything about him and there's not much. But the couple of things I did see was that, that they were, you know, kind of, they were impressed with what he could do. He's a horizontal guy right across the middle. And how desperate is Seattle for that? So I think that that'll be interesting to watch that and to see if they fit some of those more horizontal guys into the scheme a little bit more. So that one will be interesting. Um, the other one, well, we're all watching Freddie Swain, right? Okay. So, um, and then the other one, I actually wanted to watch Stone Forsyth. I mentioned that last week. I, I want to see what that kid can do. There was so much hype about him. And that's not, I mean, those are just the rookies. I'm really excited about Gerald Everett too. I think that's, he's going to be a crazy good addition to the team. But I was, um, I, I think that they um, added a few players 
to change the scheme up. So I'm excited to see if they do that in these preseason games. Yeah, I mean, the other guy that's been getting a lot of a lot of attention, just got a nice feature article in the Times, I think it was today, is, is Colby Parkinson. Um, continues yeah. to have a strong camp. Um, and he and Russell seem like they've gotten really tight over the offseason, and that's always – you know, bode well, it bodes well for, for the regular season. So uh, I think that's one. Um, the other news that came out that I think was today, right. Uh, that I think is, is worth talking about is, is Alden Smith. Um, so this, interestingly, this was a guy that not only were we all hoping that they would sign, we talked about him a lot. We talked about him being one of the better, you know, free agent signings last off season. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys deserve some credit for getting, getting him for nothing and, and getting production out of him. But Ken Norton Jr., who is one of the worst interviews of all coaches uh, in the NFL, probably like um, I listened to his press conferences. I did. And he went off about Alden Smith. He went off about the fact that he had seen him in a, when he was with the Raiders um, briefly and vouched for Alden Smith um, with the Seahawks and that Alden Smith still thinks he's get, you know, one of the best in the NFL and, and Ken Norton Jr.'s comment, this was like a, literally like a week ago was, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here to argue with him. He may still be that guy. He's getting into shape. He's, he's doing things that other guys can't do. And I was like, all right, like this is, this is looking potentially good. And then today we hear he is, he's been waived by the team. So um, Jeff, why don't we start with you on this one? Um, what was your reaction to the news and, and what are you hearing about it? Oh, I, I was caught off guard for sure because if the team was preparing for Mick, my initial re- reaction was, okay, I must be with that upcoming legal or court date. But if they were planning on that, he was running first team pass rush stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was in the mock game. So the mock game was Sunday, right? So two days ago or three days ago, he's running first team three technique. He's running like all over the first team pass rush. And if you have a guy, you don't know if he's going to make your team, you're not wasting first team snaps on him, especially a guy who wasn't there last year. So something must've happened off the field. And I just from talking and reading to people, it's not have to do with his other court case. It's something that it's like a personality fit or a team fit. There was just a miscommunication between the, what I read online was that they've lost trust in him. So it had to be something, either his behavior in the facility or how he was taking in new information, but that was the term, lost trust in him. So it had nothing to do with that other legal issue. So I was totally caught off guard because he was someone I was really, I think I mentioned him in the last show, someone I was really looking forward to seeing pair with Dunlop. So two days ago, he's running first team pass rush snaps and two days later he's cut. So I, I'm pretty stunned by it still. Uh, Evan. How about you? Brian, I can't respond after reading your chat <laughs> message. <laughs> Brian, God. Evan and I play in the, in the chat as well. So, we, we you know, I, I can't just have one conversation. As much as you guys, like, fill my heart, I, I have to have multiple conversations at once. And I, this 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 was probably, you know, something I shouldn't, shouldn't have typed, but I... I <laughs> All the Colby Parkinson's talk, I was just like, is someone going to say that they have Parkinson's syndrome? Because that would be awful. <laughs> Dana. Dana. Dana's like, I'm never coming back. I'm just going to win this either professionally or as a nurse. 
Like, none of it. Hey, we donate money to an autism charity. So, um, how do I feel about this? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he just probably made some commitments to the team in terms of behaviors that aren't illegal, but probably behaviors that he struggles with. And, um, my concern is he, he broke some of those commitments. Um, I don't think this was related to the case either from uh, what was it, June, May, July, something like that. That happened in Mississippi, Louisiana. I don't, I forget where it happened, but it's a bummer. I feel for the dude. It's a very, it was a very low risk signing for the Seahawks. You know, th- thank God they didn't trade for him last year and, you know, give away some draft pick and in retrospect, but it's a bummer. I was hoping to see him, you know, in this rotation and, you know, it happens. It's a, it's a low risk signing for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 my, my thought on this, I was very surprised too, but here's the thing. Seattle's known for second chances, right? Like they like those kind of players. And so, you know, I think Pete gets a, you know, real kick out of fixing the bad guys. You know what I mean? He just kind of does. And the fact that whatever happened was bad enough for him to get cut from Pete Carroll, that, that surprises me because he just loves that type of player. So I, I was really surprised today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so here's an interesting piece out of this. Um, I mean, one, I think this, there's another interpretation. So one could be like negative about Alden Smith. Like I've heard some of the same things. I think Corbin Smith tweeted out about it, um, that he just didn't, team didn't trust him. And so, okay, that's part of it. The team can afford to make a decision like that because they've seen enough of Daryl Taylor now and they feel really good about his role. They also probably can make that decision because they feel really good about Kerry Hyder and Benson Mayoa mm-hmm. and Alton Robinson and Daryl Taylor as a Leo rusher, not just a Sam linebacker. Um, and they feel like they've got a pretty good rotation on the edge, which we all were wondering. I didn't understand how they're going to have all these guys on the roster, get them mm-hmm. snaps, keep them happy. Like, you can have a healthy rotation, but you can't have six guys playing edge and expect to get them snaps in a game. Like, so I think that also plays a, you know, is a factor in this. And I think that's good news. Um, Out of all those guys, who do you think benefits the most in terms of snaps with this, this news who, who, who's going to get the most snaps as a result of this Dana, do you have, you have a, a prediction there? Well, I think we should say Benson Mayo. just to drive Derek crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like My that. Answer to drive Derek insane. Um, I don't know. To me, this makes me feel like they were comfortable enough with some of their, their options. They didn't feel like they needed him. I don't know if he was a security blanket that they were just putting up with or what. I don't know. Um, I think Daryl Taylor, I, I think that we should maybe be a little more excited about him. Not having him seen him play last year and, and now the hype and everything that they're saying, I, maybe they see him being more versatile and sliding into that role. I'm not sure. Um, I just think that maybe we should, it should maybe bolster our excitement, but then they signed hmm. a linebacker today. I've never even heard of before. <laughs> I had no idea who that uh, kid a, was. That's a camp body. Yeah. Really that's what thin. I figured too. Yeah. Or have to play linebacker the other day. They're, they're really thin there right now. Mm-hmm. I know. And that's going to start the KJ Wright screaming. And well, um, so that's, that's my next question. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'll ask it this way. 
the Seahawks could sign one of three former Seahawks. And I want to hear from each one of you, which one you think would have the biggest impact on the, the, their win loss record this year. Okay. Um, one is KJ, Wright. Mm -hmm. Two is golden Tate and three is Richard Sherman. Okay. Um, Jeff, uh, out of those three, which do you think would have the biggest potential impact? And no, Matt Hasselback is not a choice. Uh, chat. <laughs> I love, uh, I love Matt. Um, which of those three do you think would have the biggest impact on this roster? I think it's Richard Sherman. I think not only does he add competition to what a lot of people think is one of the weaker points on the roster, but you said this a lot, Brian. I think he's one of the best DB coaches they've had in the building. And I think getting him around Witherspoon and DJ Reed, guys he's played with before, Witherspoon was a he was a big part of him coming to Seattle. I think KJ Wright might be the best pure player for this season, but I I don't know how much he raises the ceiling. It's a he'd be the third linebacker. He'd only play in base. And I think you want, as Dana just said, I think you want Daryl Taylor on the field. I think it's a big part of why they're comfortable moving on from him. And I think they're very high on him. So I don't know how much I love KJ. He played great last year. He's one of the smartest, most instinctive players I've ever seen, but I don't know how much he really adds to this team and where, where they need to grow would be probably their third receiver. Dana, how about you? I, I, I agree, which I, is not going to shock anyone that I much prefer to have Richard Sherman on this, um, on this team for all the reasons that Jeff said. And besides, I just love Richard Sherman. But here's the thing. I, I, I was a big bring KJ Wright person. Okay, bring him back. Bring him back. We need him. Bobby, you know, plays better when he's on his elbow. You know, let's, let's play these guys together. And then I started kind of looking at it a little bit more. I think as a lot of people did and realized that KJ wants to be a starter. And I don't know that that's his place on this team anymore. And I, I hate to say that because I really do think he makes the linebacking core better. I don't know that he makes the whole entire team better. I think Sherman makes a much bigger impact. I mean, we have a lot more question marks about cornerbacks right now than we do about linebackers. And so I think that that's where the need is. I don't know the need for Golden Tate. And I think that I disagree with you on that. I wouldn't mind if they brought him back. But I just think that if if the rookie's toe is better and they said he's, you know, ran without pain for five days. I know, I agree, but there are other options. My question is, I'm wondering, you get the Adams deal done, you get the Dwayne Brown deal done, you play around, do we end up with a couple of more veterans? I don't know if they're the ex-Seahawks veterans, but do we end up with still a couple more veterans on this team? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's likely that they sign Sherm for the reasons we could all probably guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's more likely that they'd sign KJ than they sign Golden. Um, just oh, really? That's I do, just because I think the team is close and he just played for them last year. Um, yeah, and no surprise. I mean, for, for me... If I was to say which one I want them to sign out of those three, Sherman, no, no doubt. I mean, totally with you guys on that. Um, but yeah, I, I still am I'm not thrilled with the, the receiver situation at all. And I think that's going to be a problem for this team. Uh, I and, think Penny Hart over the next three weeks is going to be really important to watch. Yeah. Because I think, I think they, they have a very certain skill set they want out of that third receiver spot. Mm -hmm. Eskridge was 
they des- they wanted Eskridge over like a guy like Ter- Terrace Marshall who's lighting it up in Carolina. They wanted a small, fast guy. And Penny Hart is the next guy up, and that may be why they're not going to Golden Tate because they want that quick guy to complement DK and what Lockett mm-hmm. does down the field. And they're moving up tempo, up tempo, up tempo. They want that speed element, and he's the next guy up. So I think the next three weeks, I don't know how many starters are going to play, but I think it's going to be really important to see if he can play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't wait till midseason and Eskridge is killing it, and Brian's has to be like, all right. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope so. That'd be I know awesome. You hope so. That's what I That'd be awesome. Like, yeah, but like it, Dana it drives me don't. crazy that we don't have like. What have they done on the defensive line? They have given themselves so many options that something like Alden Smith can go wrong, and it that doesn't affect the the ceiling for this team really. Like they still have a really good, solid group. Eskridge is down, and we're talking about Freddie Swain and Penny Hart, and this is absolutely hometown team, like favorite team bullshit. Like mm-hmm. nobody in the league is worried about Penny Hart or or Freddie Swain nobody and to be honest nobody in the league's worried about Dwayne Eskridge either and so you've got bet on top of bet on top of bet and none of them are proven and to me it makes all the sense in the world to have something that's a known quantity and the idea that a guy like Golden Tate yes he's older but he is durable he is shifty and like has always been a tackle breaker. So to have him come here, he's been a great punt returner in his, his time. Having him come around the edge on end arounds is, is fine. Yes, he's not as fast as some of these guys for sure, but he was a former running back. Like you can't tell me that he wouldn't be good in that, in that role. And uh, anyway, and he it, wants to, me, to come back. It's crazy. Badly. It's crazy to me. Like why, why you wouldn't bring him in, at least take a look and see how it goes. Like, and yeah, it, it, if that. this ends up going the way I think it's going to go, you guys are going to hear about this from me every friggin' week because it's ridiculous. It is it is the simplest thing to solve, and at least to create. All I'm saying is create a floor for the position, create a floor. And right now, the floor is way too low. That's basically my my concern. Can, how can I ask you guys a question? A quick question. Yeah. I know that we're running on time, but um, what do you, how do you do you think a lot of these thoughts and opinions of ours it, it, for the front office and for the coaching staff, they just want to get to that first game, see what they can see. Yes. And then there'll be some massive adjustments after that. Or do you, well, there's think always the con- die? there's always the veteran contract guarantee, which is after we remember the Clinton McDonald getting cut week one, because they didn't want to pay like guarantee his contract, right? Like there's been situations they have, this front office has done that with veterans so it's possible they would think about signing a veteran in week two and not before. So I think that is possible. Um, I know we're short on time because uh, Evan's got to go Betty by. Um, so, so do you have, can we talk about some patron questions? I really want to get into to ranking some of the NFC West uh Position groups, but I don't know if we're going to have time tonight. So, um, Evan, if you could pull up the patron questions, and this is a great time to remind folks, uh, we just a couple of weeks ago made our annual donation, $40,000 to Ben's Fund, now over $200,000 that we've donated, thanks to all of the, your contributions over time. And um, a big part of that is, is patreon.com slash hawkblogger. So, um, join up now. We got a new Ring of Honor member. It's awesome. We just got a new 
full year, uh, you know, patron that joined. Welcome to those folks. And there's still spots available. So as soon as you join, you get access to our, our Slack channel, which is always buzzing. And in fact, has even added a Mariners channel because we need to commiserate with each other about how friggin' frustrating that team is. Evan is in that channel all the time, 24 seven talking Mariners. So, um, you know, I don't even see the that. channel. Did you not even no, give me permission? I wasn't on invited it? either. <laughs> you have to join it. You have to join it. You know, I'm not going to invite the whole crew. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's Mariners talk. Oh, wow. Oh my God. All right. I've got some questions. Uh, Brian, I'm going to give you this one. Okay. What are some fair expectations for the tight end group? And more particularly, um, whatever his first name is, Parkinson. I'm blanking on his first name. Colby. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a really hard question, actually. And when we do our prediction show later, I think we're going to have to have some things. It's going to be hard this year to make some calls because in particular, I don't think we know how Shane Waldron is going to use that tight end group. So you can base it off of what the targets and catches and things like that have been in previous years um, under Pete Carroll. But I think this might be different. I think this is a this is a different group, and I think that they're going to get more action. I think Gerald Everett may end up being the, you know, the third most targeted player um, in the receiving uh, of the receiving options. Like that's possible. I'm not counting running backs who obviously get a bunch of targets, but like of tight ends and receivers, I think he might be the third most targeted. I think Will Disley is the sleeper. I think everyone is sleeping on this guy because he's had so many injuries. And last year he came back and he just wasn't the same impactful player. So I think people have just written him off. I think Will Disley is going to be the guy we saw again, who's like, how is that guy open all the time? And how is he catching two touchdowns a week? And why do people keep talking about George Kittle? Cause Will Disley is the best tight end in the NFC West. So I think, I think Will Disley has like serious upside um, compared to what people are expecting. And then Parkinson, he may be the best receiving player of the bunch. Like, I, I think that that's legitimately possible. It doesn't mean he's going to get the most targets or the most receptions, but think about Jacob Hollister last year and how much of an impact he's had at various times for the past couple of years. Colby Parkinson is taller, faster, better. And um, I think you put him in that third tight end position. I think this is a guy that will be someone who's pressing for starting snaps really soon and i think that's great news for seahawks fans um i think i think colby parkinson is going to be an impact player this season um i think that's a big thing to say for a third tight end so i've got a really good question that i'm going to ask you all to go on the record early on and we'll just go round robin real quick on this who is your surprise cut once the 53 man roster is set so who's the biggest surprise cut that yeah you get my point jeff i'm gonna start with you Hmm. Let me think for a second. Can I pose a question on this? Because I've been thinking about it all of this show. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm going to embarrass the shit out of myself. Is Rashad Penny's job safe? That was going to be mine. Is he, is he a lock? Not if he can't stay healthy. I'm wondering if they'll trade him. But like, 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 Let's say he's not traded data. Okay. Fair. It, is he a lock for this roster? Yes. No. You think he is I a lock, so. Brian? 
I do. I'm trying but to look you, at the running back. But you Unless he has some sort of catastrophic injury, you know, but no, I, I, I think. I think Alex Collins might have jumped him or could jump him. I like Alex Collins. It's not a common event against him. I, I loved what I saw of Rashad Penny um, in camp. I think he's in great shape, and I think he's going to be an impact. I think, I think he actually might be better suited to this offense than Chris Carson. It doesn't mean he's better than Chris Carson, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of toss plays. And if you remember what Rashad Penny breaks, it is outside runs, outside zone runs. So I just think it would be foolish um, to – to sell on him right now. Cool. But I think it's, I think it's a fair at, question. I just, I don't think that's where they're going to go. Yeah. I, I mean, look, look at who's there for running back. You have some guy named Cameron Scarlett, Rashad Penny, Josh Johnson, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, Chris Carson. I mean, it's Chris, Alex, unless you want to, I mean, do you trust Homer to be your third back? I don't. DJ Dallas. Yeah, DJ Dallas. DJ Dallas to be your third back? I mean, think about it. We lose three a game, right? Like that happens all the time. So it's like, I don't know. I think that he's there just because he's better than the rest. I think Carson Collins and Rashad Penny will be there. I think Jason Myers is a goner for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of the one of the Patreon questions was, and I and I kid you not, from John, uh, which week which week of the season will Nathan Ernst finally embrace Jason Myers as the best kicker in the NFL? John, the answer is never. Jason Myers could never miss another kick in his lifetime. And that nerd who is not on this show tonight would never admit his failure and his failed prediction on Jason Myers. We never. love Nathan. We love Nathan. But we also but hate him. But we also hate him. Wrong is not something Nathan does. Um, you can decide whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it won't happen. Uh, won't that happen. actually was one of the questions, by the way. Um, so, Dana, what was your answer, or did I miss it? Well, honest to God, I mean, Smith is, is was pretty shocking to me today. That I didn't expect that, but looking at everyone who's left, I'm gonna go with John Ursula. Okay, the machine green. <laughs> No, That's an I interesting one. I think Rasheem Green's a good call. I, I'll I'll say Ryan Neal. Hmm. I think that would be a, a pretty big surprise. But I think it I think sounds it, like he's been the Adams backup, and he's they're pretty comfortable. Yeah, I, that's why it would be a surprise. I think. Yeah, I think I we've got think, Blair. I think Ashari Crosswell has played well. Like I think today was a surprise cut. I think that was going to be the one that was going to happen, and we would have been. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which one? I think today, Alden Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not Al Woods. Got you, Al. Yeah. They, they love, they're loving up Al Woods. I love what Al Woods. How can you not love Al Woods? I know that was my prediction a few weeks ago, but he's just been making me look silly. So I mean, he's the he's the exact right like archetype of a veteran cut. Um, but but yeah, I don't think that's going to happen at this point. Yeah, I'm just looking at the rest of the team, and I really don't see anybody who. Mm-mm. Not a lot of camp battles going on. It's pretty clear who's going to make this. I, I, I want to be able to. Posick. I, that's who I was going to say. Was like I want to say Ethan Posick, but there's just no like bodies at center. You know what I mean? Unless Phil Haynes takes over. Just wait. <laughs> just wait. Trade like, for Justin Britt. Oh God. Yeah, um, let's move on. I just thought that was a really yeah. interesting question. 
Um, who wins in a race between DK Metcalf and Tyreek Hill? Uh, I think I it's mean, Tyreek, probably. It would depend on how long the race was. Yeah, like the full if length DK of the field, I think tonight, DK would get that. If DK is watching, DK you totally would win. Yeah. If DK is not watching, Tyreek. No, we don't talk enough about him. I I think I think that if it was the full length of the field, DK would get him. Tyreek, if it was only half or whatever, then I think Tyreek would well would win. DK, but if you're watching, DK is gonna have a monster season this year. I think so. Okay, too. so DK Metcalf is a great segue into this next question. Let's say DK. Uh, matches his previous year's production. Okay, so 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, 85 receptions-ish. What does he get in an extension from us per year? Blank check. Whatever he fucking wants. Like top of the the receiver market is DeAndre Hopkins at 27. Devontae is going to get paid next year. 27? Yeah, they, they gave out a crazy contract that made no sense. The well-run Arizona Cardinals. Oh my god! Twenty-seven. His extension was like fifty-five million over two. Well-run, best team in the yes. NFL. Yeah, but that was a two-year deal. If they do DK, the DKs will well, be longer. They'll give him. I'll tell you, John's John's probably jump by how the agents are going to look at. No, it. but That's here's true. the thing, Dana. Devontae Adams' camp is absolutely using it as a data point. Oh, does he come up next year? Uh, he's right he's now. Oh, yeah. that's right. You're right. You're right. Oh my god. Everyone thinks he's gonna leave Green Bay after this year. So what are we giving him? Diva offensive. Players. I mean, is DK hitting 25? I mean, that's what I thought. I was like 22 to 23, 20. I'd be fine with, but now like that sounds like there's no 26? way. <laughs> no, there's, he might like, get 30. The cap's going up quite a bit too. I mean, I'm dead serious. I would pay him whatever he needs to be paid. The, he, this, his ceiling is to be the best receiver that ever played. I'm not saying you he can get that he's going to get there. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying he will be, but he legitimately has the talent. I'm saying we don't we don't talk about him enough. He, he's I agree. The coolest players in the NFL. He's he for Evan a heart attack. <laughs> no, I I actually yeah I think like. I could see him matching Hopkins deal like 26, 27. The Hopkins deal is a little bit of an outlier. It's I, I, I'd feel a lot more confident in my answer. Once I see Adam sign, I want to see what he mm-hmm. signs for. Um, we need a stabilizing data point per se. Um, well, I mean, one of the things yeah. you're always interested in what they get paid. I'm just interested in that they get played, they, that they pay, play for our team. And I think one of the things that with DK that is really going to be interesting this year is there are more short intermediate patterns and some of DK's best plays last year were crossing patterns where he mm-hmm. just ran the F away from everybody. And he broke tackles. He, he is like, he's not quite Marshawn when it comes to breaking tackles, but he is as good of a tackle breaker at the wide receiver position as I've ever seen. So I think that we're going to see, different sides of DK Metcalf this season than we have in the past. And if they are running shorter patterns, he might have 120 catches this year and he might go, he might go 1800 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like those are all totally possible, totally possible with him. Like he's that good. So um, we'll see. 
We'll see. I, I just hope I hope that he he owns the Rams a little bit. Like we need him to be the alpha in the division. And and he wasn't always that um, against the Rams, and he needs to be. So that, that's my big hope for DK this year. Um, how do you think the return specialist battle will play out this year? Who do you see returning punts and kicks this year, considering it's currently wide open? Jeff, what's your take on this? I thought DJ Reed looked very good returning last year. I, I think he was better on punts than kicks. But he, he's just a small, quick guy, and he really – Turned the field up really well. I thought he was really comfortable. If he's starting every damn corner, I don't know if they'll want to use him both. Am I hallucinating, or did we draft somebody who's like a punt returner or a kick returner? It's not Trey Brown, right? Eskridge was, and Brown was. Eskridge was, yeah. So, okay. Interesting. Trey Brown was the really good one, though, wasn't he? I think so. I think so. In college. Yeah, maybe okay. he does kicks, and maybe you do DJ Reed on punts whatever as long as Lockett isn't back there honestly yeah, right no more Earl, thomas. Earl thomas yeah you remember when they put like Richard sherman back there and it was Earl like thomas was the worst one ever he was like guys what the fuck are you doing like just <laughs> put me back there the at this point the over. It was so bad. <laughs> um any other questions that's pretty much it guys um yeah, every week we do that. We got to get back into this habit of doing those Patreon questions. So I'll make sure to do it next week. Okay. Since we teased it, we got to do one position ranking. One. Let's do it. Okay. And this is going to be somewhat easy. To, you don't have to do any research, but we're going to do quarterback. NFC West quarterback, starting quarterback, um, one through four. And we're going to assume that it is Matthew Stafford in, the, in LA, Kyler Ky- Fuller. Oh my God! I get Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. My God, what's my problem? In, in Arizona, and we're gonna go with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Are we agreed that that's most likely the starter? For yeah, I, I for think the, uh, for September, the, the Niners should take it extremely slow with Trey Lance. I think we should protect his body, his mind, his health. Let's do and- this. Let's slash that one. Garoppolo slash Lance. <laughs> okay. Because I think, let, let's assume he's going to get some snaps. Okay. And then Russell. So one through four. Um, and, and Jeff, I'm starting with you on this one. I think Russell won by considerable margin. I have Matthew Stafford two. I have Kyler three. And I certainly have Jimmy Garoppolo four. Dana. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same. I have Russell up here and all the rest of them starting about down here. And it's no disrespect to Matt Stafford. I get murdered for this on Twitter all the time. I get it. He's got a great arm, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he, his ratings were never all that great. So I, I think it's it's Russell, Matt Stafford, and then Kyler, Jimmy. I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo will, if he starts, he will not play longer than the month of September. And so I think that um, you have to throw Lance in there and he's going to look like a rookie for a while. So they need to be at the bottom. Evan. I am so incredibly tired of hearing how overrated Matthew Stafford is. (laughs) I just want to say that from the get go, Matthew Stafford is going to struggle more than any NFC West quarterback this upcoming season. Wow. I'm dead serious. I, I, he is, he is entering Hell, the pit of hell 
with defenses in the <laughs> NFC West and pass rushers. And he just has not experienced that in the NFC. Well, he did experience it in the NFC North, but I think it's a whole nother level here. I really, mm-hmm. I, I think in terms of physicality of defenses. So I, I, I think it's Russell. I think it's Kyler Murray. And then I mm-hmm. think it's Trey Lance, who is going to, I think going to unfortunately probably have a pretty productive rookie season. Mm-hmm. And I think Stafford's really going to struggle this year. Uh, that's interesting. I, I'm, I'm with you on it being Russell and then Murray. I actually mm-hmm. have Murray over for me. It's, it's still Stafford. And then, and then the 49ers situation, but I think Stafford's a little bit, he took more of a step back than I think people realize and is a little bit older than, you know, I think we'll just have to see. I, I'm not, I think he's, I think, I think he makes them a lot better than they were with Jared Goff for, for sure. But I ran some numbers where I was actually surprised how similar Goff and Stafford were in a number of ways. And uh, that surprised me, at least at this point in Stafford's career. Um, And Murray, I just think the guy's incredibly talented and was part of the MVP conversation at one point last year. And, you know, still is young, still making mistakes. Uh, Maybe doesn't have the best coach, but. That's um, about the my rankings. What's that? That impacted my rankings for two. Yeah. But I, for sure. Sean McVay is starting to resemble his mentor in certain ways. And I'm curious to see if you guys know who Sean McVay's mentor in football is. It's John Gruden. And one of the things with John Gruden was every two years, he would turn on coaches, turn on quarterbacks, and get to the point where he would drive them bananas. And if you ever hear Chris Sims talk about John Gruden, there's some striking similarities there. So I'm very curious to see how this relationship goes because they're clearly in the honeymoon phase right now. Yep. Yep. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing these guys in action. Arizona fans certainly seem to think that they've got uh, I'm the, so confused. the tiger by the tail right now. Um, and we'll, we'll see. We will see. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, that's been, I told you it was going to go fast because there's a lot to cover um, we have our first preseason game Saturday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. I am planning, I haven't even told you guys, I'm planning to try to do that live like we did before. I don't know if Jeff, if you're open or anyone else is open, but um, what we've done sometimes in the past is some of us will get on. We can't actually stream the game, obviously, for, for obvious reasons, but um, what we do is we'll do a live stream of our commentary play-by-play um, as the plays happen. You do have to kind of sync it up a little bit if you're watching it, because we might be ahead or behind you. But uh, it allows us to kind of talk about the plays and what we thought we saw on different players uh, along the way. So I'm going to try to do that. And it ends up being pretty popular. Uh, And, you know, we've had thousands of people tune in 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 the past when we do that during preseason games. Um, I get too crazy during regular season to do it, to be honest. But uh, uh, yeah, so so look for that Saturday night, 6 p.m., um, and again, if you haven't already, please click the like button. I mean, for God's sakes, folks, it takes one second. Just, just press the like button, click subscribe. We are here every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time. You are going to find us here on a recurring basis, whether you like it or not. And you can join patreon.com slash hawkblogger, support the blog, support the podcast, and support Ben's Fund um, and all the charities we've supported in the past. So Please go ahead and do that. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday night. And if you're in the Seattle area, get a fan. I hope you're, 
<laughs> you're keeping cool because it's going to be hot for the next few days. All right. Take care, everybody.